0: Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics.
1: it is uh, another week here on Yolitics, and uh we got a really interesting topic today but before we dive you're, you're, why in why are that, you talking
2: so slow man you're like all right it's another right. interesting week man um, are, you, are you setting everyone just, up for this podcast
1: i guess maybe i am maybe i'm a little mellow today maybe i'm laid back um <laughs> yeah i don't know and and maybe that's behind my my choice of beers today oh too. are we drinking the um, same one Oh, I doubt that. No, you. I, I'm, I'm guessing you've got something that's got um, cannabis uh, attachment. Is that right? What do you have? No, tell me what you have first. All right, I'm gonna go with mine. This is this is stash. Uh, yes. IPA. The stash IPA. And let me. I,
2: I looked this up. So lo, let me let me tell you about this one real, real briefly. This is from Independence Brewing Company in Austin. It mm. is the. Sorry, I almost had a mess here. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to make a mess here. It is the Chronic of IPAs, the enlightening. This is off their website. The Chronic okay. of IPAs, the enlightening hop trip. You you wish. I can't even read this, man. My What's business? in this beer? Do we, What's in in this start o- Do we need
1: to start right. over here? You only
2: had two are we sips. Recording right.
1: I think we. I hope this you are. This is the
2: Chronic of IPAs, the enlightening hop trip you'll wish would never end. Stash's simple malt bill is the canvas upon which the kaleidoscope array of six hop profiles grew
1: you would be a terrible pitch man uh, uh, yeah by the way. I mean, it's terrible it's good pitch beer. Man. i don't do
2: a lot of ipas but it's good beer and it's apropos for our topic
1: what do you in man it is uh, i'm not nearly as on topic i did see that one but then i saw those three letters ipa underneath it and i've 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 stopped doing that to myself because i just don't like ipas uh this is uh brewed and canned by the martin house brewery mm. company fort worth texas it is called the Sweet and Sour Plum. It is sour plum beer with lactose.
2: Dude, what is it. up with you and like all these fruit beers, Because this man. just seemed and-
1: this seemed like a kind of a wild subject today. And so I thought, eh, I'm going to go for this. So you can. don't do
2: IPAs, but you're doing that?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, IPAs were, were marked off my list uh, a little bit ago because I just couldn't find one that I really liked. And so now I'm doing this, and this will probably be marked off my list next. Wow. No more sour plum beers. All right, so listen,
2: we're talking about an issue that we've been trying to figure out how to do an episode on for a while. It's about uh, marijuana, medical marijuana, recreational marijuana, etc. Um, the legislature yeah. in Texas reconvenes in January, guarantee you there will be bills on this, on, on how to expand medical marijuana at least. And there's always some bill to uh, try to legalize recreational
1: um, it, it it usually has. Well, even before we get to what, you know the next legislative yeah. session here in the midterms, this is kind of be is. an issue. It already is, uh, because uh, you know they're at the very top race for governor. You've got Beto O'Rourke on the Democratic side saying uh, it's time to legalize it. You know we can uh, stop pe- locking people up for this. We can make money off of this. A lot of other states have you know kind of gone that way as well. Uh, even Governor Abbott, who, you know, uh, is, is very conservative, uh, you know, came out and said, well, you know, maybe prison and jail is a place for just dangerous cr- uh, criminals, not necessarily for people who have small possession of marijuana. That's that's a little bit of movement, it seems like there uh, with this issue. This is going to be an issue in this governor. It range.
2: is. And Republicans have we seen in the last uh, five to six years, especially they, they've really led on criminal justice reform. That's another issue. Mm-hmm. But this is part of that. Nevertheless, we we started seeing all this news coverage about what's happening to our neighbors in the north of us in Oklahoma, right across the Red River. They have just exploded with medical marijuana up there. Now, they have medical marijuana. We have it here. Theirs is vastly different. I think we only have six or seven reasons why someone in Texas can use medical marijuana up there. Mm -hmm. If you get a doctor's note saying, hey, you can try it, game on, because they have 8,300 grow operations, I think a little more than that right now, and 1 in 10 Oklahomans Mm -hmm. has a medical marijuana card. Think about that, Wheeler, 1 in 10. There's not 1 in 10 Texans who have a fishing license, I would bet.
1: (laughs) You know, and and so a lot of people up there are using, uh, and 1 in 10 sounds like a lot, you know, uh, using for medical purposes, but we're being told now, Jason, that it's more than 1 in 10 that you know, it's understood that some of those people who've got that license are buying for someone else in their life as well, who who needs it but doesn't necessarily have the license. Uh, and you know that sounds like a lot of people, but they're making far more than that. There, they're growing far more than that. There, and you know we've got a lawmaker who is has been one of the leading proponents pushing this industry forward in Oklahoma. And he says, yeah, you know, we've got a lot of buttoning up to do here as well with rules and regulations because a lot of this stuff is getting exported out of Oklahoma, which is not supposed to happen, including, in his word, tons and tons of it here in Texas. Uh, it's being sent to Texas. Yeah, b- before we get to him, though,
2: let's just kind of set the stage for you. If you don't follow Oklahoma politics like me and probably a lot of Texans. Oklahoma is a lot more Republican than Texas is. It's, it's hard to imagine, but Oklahoma is. is a lot more Republican. They have, you know, the governor's Republican. Both U.S. senators are Republican. The legislature dominated by Republicans. We think that the Texas legislature here has a lot of Republicans. Up there, the margins are far greater with Republicans than they are here. So we have, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, a Republican on the line with us. His name is Representative uh, Scott Fettgatter. He is a Republican who represents uh, a large area between Tulsa and down towards the uh, the Texas border, including Henrietta, where Troy Aikman is from as well, too. This is a very Republican area that he represents. And he's joining us right now from uh, his office at the Capitol.
1: Yeah, I want to start with, you know, before you got on here, you said that, you, you know, you never, you know, have used this stuff. You kind of, you know, have been roped into it, etc., Uh, did you ever dream, you know, being a a conservative lawmaker in Oklahoma, that you would be on the forefront of pushing marijuana policy?
0: No, I'll tell you a funny story, I guess. That kind of sums it all up. My family, when they see news reporters doing all these stories on me, you know, and marijuana, um, they, they, they think it's about the most funniest thing they've ever seen in the world um, because they all know how staunchly opposed to uh, the use of marijuana I was, you know for my entire adult life. Now, you know I, I didn't say I had never used it. I, I tried it when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I never liked it. and um, as you can tell by the the hair, you know I'm a musician, I've played music. You know, most of my life, and uh, and um, so I've been around a lot of people that did use marijuana, and I and and I would get frustrated, you know, because you know band practice would, you know, some they wouldn't show up or you know they were always late or whatever, and that that may just be musicians in general (laughs) for the most part, but um, you know it's it's I I have seen you know the negative effects of people who uh, abuse marijuana just like they would abuse any other type of you know um uh you know drug or food or whatever the case may be mm-hmm.
2: for for our listeners here too can't see the zoom that we're on uh representative fettgatter has a uh, shoulder length hair i would say am, am i going too too far there for you
0: yeah it's you know it's yeah it's it's longer than all my other colleagues <laughs> it's yeah
2: you probably have the lo- longest hair of any republican in the in the state <laughs> legislature I, I would guess <laughs> Uh, yeah, I uh,
0: probably
2: do. But l- let me ask you this. I- I- everyone that, that I'm I'm hearing from on this and everything that I'm reading s- shows that Republicans think that, oh, we need to start reining this in just a tad. This has gotten way out of hand since it was passed in 2018. You- you're looking the other direction saying, hey, we need to expand this and, and make it uh, recreational use as well. How's that sitting in the Republican caucus there in the state legislature?
0: Well, actually, if you... If you really take a look at all the legislation that I have uh, filed for this session and actually have filed for the past three and a half years on this issue, it's a combination. Uh, you know, we conservatives, uh, for example, we talk about gun policy. We talk about the more restrictions you put on guns, you know, the more you hurt law abiding citizens and criminals don't care uh, what kind of laws you you put or regulations you put on firearms. Well, marijuana is not uh, unlike that same situation. In the state of Oklahoma, it's legal to have a marijuana business. You can have a grow operation. You can have a dispensary. You can have a testing lab. You can have, you know, a processing facility, or you can have all three of those. Mine, and and you can't have those three with a, with a testing lab. You can't. That's a conflict of interest. So. The way I look at it is if you look at my legislation, I actually have a bill also that changes the structure in which we license people and requires a lot more information. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot more intense. It's uh, It starts with a temporary license, then goes to a permanent license if you meet all the qualifications. So the more information you get, um, the, the better opportunity you have to stop criminal activity. With that being said, the more access people have, the less criminal activity you have. And and so I related a lot to this is our generation's prohibition on alcohol. Um, You know, over 80 years ago, I'm sure state legislators were sitting around and I bet some of them had long hair back then, too. (laughs) But over 80 years ago, um, legislators were sitting around and they were having these same exact discussions about alcohol you know, alcohol used to be considered a medication. Um, and, and, and then, you know, it, it just became mainstream, you know, adult use. And and the number one issue that I have, the number one single issue I have voted on in the state legislature over the past six years is, is alcohol. And, and we're 80 plus years into prohibition on, ending prohibition on alcohol. So marijuana is going to be something that is going to, you know, potentially take another 80 years to, to get it all figured out. And what I try to explain to activists is, you know, you, you 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 can't have everything all at once. And the reason why Republicans in Oklahoma are saying we need to rein this in is because we have a lot of illegal activity going on. We have foreign investors that have come in and and bought up land that, you know, you know, really expensive amounts of money. Um and, uh, you know, drove the land prices up and it's a bubble. And now they're starting. In fact, I spoke to um, a gentleman just this last week who was telling me about a piece of land that I was looking at buying a couple of years ago. And some marijuana folks come in and bought it and they never even got their facility built out. They were foreign investors, never got it built out. But because of the laws we've been able to pass over the few years, We're catching up to those people that are wanting to do this, you know, and supply illegal marijuana out of state.
1: So you've been a big proponent of this and no doubt you've probably, you know, had to convince some of your colleagues there in the legislature uh, about the benefits of doing this. What would you say to, you know, uh, Governor Greg Abbott down here in Texas, who we're sure listens to this podcast uh, because, you know, he's in the middle of a, a race now. Uh, and on the Democratic side, you've got uh, former Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who says he's ready to legalize uh, here in Texas uh, to to fully legalize. Uh, but you know, Greg Abbott hasn't gone nearly so far. Is there is there a message that you would give to to Texas Republicans on this?
0: Well, I would say uh, you know to to Republicans all across the country um, that. Republican, conservative Republicans, they they utilize marijuana just like anybody else does. Uh, When you look at the state of Oklahoma, 10 percent of our population has a medical marijuana card. Um, That means 10 percent of our population went to went to a doctor, went to OMMA and paid the fee to get a medical marijuana card. And when you look at it, anecdotally speaking, I would say that. Two to three people are using those cards. Um, they're buying for their friends or other family members who haven't got a card, mm. and so there's a large population. And, and as we all know, uh, Oklahoma tops that we're the red state in the union. Mm. And I, I don't even know that that's uh, something that that can be disputed. So many, in fact, one of my precincts in the state of Oklahoma, one of my most conservative red precincts. On state question eighty seven uh, eight, or seven eighty eight, voted ninety three percent in favor to legalize medical marijuana. Wow, and that it, that is the largest um, uh, group of conservatives in my district.
2: And, and that state question for our listeners in Texas that that was the ballot initiative uh, that legalizes back in twenty eighteen. Representative, I don't want to get you sideways with the governor, but I was reading an article that the governor of Oklahoma said earlier this month that voters were misled when they overwhelmingly approved this in 2018. Do you think they were misled?
0: Well, I think I think they were somewhat. uh, The voters didn't understand the um, the influx and the popularity and the uh, and the lackadaisical laws that were wrapped up in the state question and so they weren't they weren't misled in marijuana can be used medically okay they weren't they weren't misled that way they were misled in the fact that the state only had 60 days to stand up a brand new agency the state uh had had such a free market that you know Anybody who had twenty five hundred dollars hadn't had a felony in two years and was a two year resident could go get a license uh, to grow or sell or process marijuana. They didn't understand that by putting a residency clause in there that it was going to create this massive amount of uh, illegal activity through straw men business uh, models. That th- those are the things. I think that the governor really is, is talking about, he doesn't maybe necessarily understand why Oklahomans uh, were misled or feel misled, um, but, but at a granular level, but he does understand that there's a big problem and, and I've brought cool. him to my office to discuss that with him, mm. but I, I do want to make this point. Oklahomans weren't misled that they were legalizing marijuana. Mm.
2: Well, let me ask you this. How much buyer's remorse is there now? Because uh, I'm seeing there's all types of legislation right now in the Republican dominated legislature. Among them is a potential moratorium on any new uh, dispensaries out there and grow operations. Is there buyer's remorse right now?
0: I can just, uh, you know, tell you when I'm back home, uh, when I was when I got involved with this issue, uh, just really just before the state question passed, I knew it was going to pass. I was. I was in my forums and my town halls. I mean, it was highly popular. I knew this thing was going to pass. So I started you know, putting my personal feelings aside and trying to understand what we were getting ready to run into. And I saw the flaws. And I actually voted against the state question Mm. uh, whenever uh, it was on the ballot. Um, I I didn't get involved in campaigning against it because I didn't feel like I should do that. People needed to make their own decisions. Uh, But with that being said, you know, the, I'm so sorry. I, I kind of got sidetracked there. What, what was the actual question?
2: You said you voted against it. Let let me, let me jump back to, to the, uh, small town you mentioned there in your district, which is just South of, of, of Tulsa. Right. It's a, it's a red area. You said 93% of the people voted for it. Why did so many Republicans want this to pass four years ago?
0: Well, and, and now I remember your question. So the buyer's remorse we will we'll yeah. address both of those. Um, why people wanted it. I just think that, you know, for Republicans, it, it's a couple of different things. OK, one is many Republicans have used marijuana for for decades, you know, um, and so they see no problems with you using marijuana. We've seen that over the years, you know, since the war on drugs, you know, back in the 80s when I was a kid, we've seen that that hasn't worked. I mean, if we're if we're if we're honest with ourselves, that that has really not had any effect. Uh, But buyer's remorse. uh, So I can't answer exactly why Republicans do. But I will tell you that some Republicans look at this as a liberty and freedom issue, Mm. you know, that you you should have the right to utilize marijuana. If you, if you, if you so choose, uh, and you certainly shouldn't get between a doctor and a patient, um, that, you know, has uh, got a potential opportunity. Look, I, I really learned a lot about marijuana. You know, I, I, I have seen the Parkinson's patient who, who, who gets, you know, relief from the symptoms from having that disease, you know, um, Arthritis. I mean, there's a lot of ladies and gentlemen in your churches uh, that have really bad arthritis. And, you know, somebody brought them some THC infused uh, cream, pain cream. And all of a sudden they've got relief now from those symptoms uh, in that disease. So so Republicans look at it as freedom, liberty issue, not getting between you and your doctor. And then some just think, you know, It really does. It's not any worse than alcohol. Hmm. I mean, that's how some of them feel. Um, With that being said, buyer's remorse. When when I go to my local cafes, when I go to town hall meetings, pretty much anywhere I go. I mean, it was a little nerve wracking. Right. As a Republican to to, to really jump out there in front on this issue, whenever the state question passed, Hmm. Uh, I was a little nervous about it and thought, man, my constituents are going to just think I'm a big pothead. You know, and uh, so I I was a little bit nervous about it, but somebody had to do it. You know, the state the state question was passed. The voters obviously wanted it. So somebody had to jump out there and I got involved and I jumped out there. And now my constituents know that I support legal marijuana businesses, 100 percent, no differently than I support, you know, the local grocery store, the local restaurant, you know, whoever it may be, if in the in the state of Oklahoma, if you know, with legalized marijuana, if you want to invest and take the risk right. of starting into this, you know, new industry, then you should have the same opportunities to be successful and make a profit as any other business, in my opinion.
1: So, you since we're talking about business here now too, you've talked about how this has benefited. Uh, a lot of people who, who needed the help medically, how has this benefited the state, this, this industry, how has it benefited the state and how much potential is there still left to go?
0: You you know, uh, I, I really wish, I really wish I could get my colleagues to, to sit down with, with, with the right mindset and have a conversation about the future of marijuana Um, it, how has it benefited the state really that, you know, it, it, it brings in, I think it brought in about $154 million or something last year. When you look at that in the grand scheme of the budget and the way the dollars were apportioned based on the state question, you know, it's, it's helpful, but when you're looking at a $9 billion budget, which Texas is much, much larger than that, um, You know, $150 million does not change the game, I guess you might say, as far as state budgeting is concerned. Um, We were last year, we did put, uh, I believe it was $53 million uh, directly into education uh, through the Breadbud Fund. And uh, that was how the state question was written, that all the money came to the legislature to be, you know, appropriated to the agency for all of their needs. And then anything that was left go to education and uh, substance abuse rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so far, the agency has absorbed the, the, the mass majority of that money. But we did put some money into education last year, which is always helpful whenever you can find those extra dollars. Um, now, let's talk about the future of marijuana. Uh, I don't know why it is but everybody in the world seems to want marijuana from Oklahoma. Uh, They love, they love Oklahoma grown marijuana for whatever the reason may be. I have no idea. Um, You know, as part of our problems, we're probably supplying, you know, a third to a half of the illegal marijuana all across the Eastern part of the country um, just through illegal businesses. People, you know, tell me all the time, Well, you know, Representative Fedgetter, we don't want to be number one in marijuana. You know, there's a lot of other things we would like to be top 10 in, you know, you know, as the governor says, we want to be a top 10 state. You know, when you look at marijuana and you look at the future, marijuana will never be illegal again, ever. You know, so everybody else might as well get on board and understand that marijuana In the united states of america will never ever be illegal again therefore there's an industry growing there and it's going to be a national industry it's going to be it's going to be a worldwide industry and oklahoma because of the reputation for whatever the reason is has an opportunity that if we would set this whole program up right business owners in oklahoma could really stand to uh, do well, um, it, you know, as the federal government decriminalizes, as they bring on the Safe Banking Act and those types of things. Hmm. You,
2: you said, I want to make sure I understood you right. You think that Oklahoma marijuana is supplying a third of all the illicit marijuana sales in the eastern part of the U.S.?
0: <laughs> I think that that's probably a pr- pretty accurate statement. It's all anecdotal, but. You know, when wow. you consider the number of grow operations in the state of Oklahoma, I mean, it's 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 massive. How does that much well,
1: slip out, do you think? I mean, there there are controls in place. How does that much slip away?
0: Well, no, that's that's where that's where you that's where you miss it. Uh, the bureaucracy uh, OMMA has been uh, another failure. On this program, Uh, OMMA and the state question was originally set up as part of the Department of Health. Uh, They became a, you know, you know, a a stepchild to that agency, in my opinion. They weren't receiving the attention they needed. Um, Uh It was, you know, we had a recall uh, on some uh, product that was on the shelves. It took OMMA five days to get approval to put out a notice. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that marijuana has already been used. Uh, wow. in five days fortunately the person who who had you know I guess grew or was selling it put a recall notice out themselves mm-hmm. um, so you know last session when we came in Oma for 13,000 marijuana businesses had 24 inspectors
2: Wow and and entire state yeah reminded to our listeners uh, OMMA or O-M-M-A, what's the other word for OMMA
0: is the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority Right
2: and and I think there's a, a bill in the legislature right now to make it its own agency outside the Department of Health which would maybe alleviate some of the things
0: and and
1: hopefully you were hire about. a few people 13 yeah. inspectors for yeah, thousands so, of facilities across <laughs> a whole state
0: Yeah so what we did was uh, John Eccles our, our floor leader in the house and myself, we've advocated since since day one that OMMA, that this was too big to be a subagency of the Department of Health. It needed yeah. to be standalone agency. Well, the uh, the governor fought against us. The Senate fought against us, said that looks like an expansion of government. Well, I mean, the exi- the, the already exists. I mean, you're just moving them out from one area to another. And and be re- be reminded, there's a new... Uh, a business new industry in the state of Oklahoma that if you don't regulate it, you're going to have big problems. Um, so that's where we're at now uh, to your point last session, I got fed up because uh, we were on our third director in, in two and a half years at the Oklahoma medical marijuana authority. Yeah. We had 24 inspectors out there. In fact, the first year of legalization, I personally became the call center for OMMA because They couldn't, no one could get a hold of them. And I could, and I I literally spent an entire summer sitting out under a big oak tree at a picnic table, just fielding calls uh, from marijuana patients and businesses. So that's how I really learned so much about it, you know, was over that summer. But last year I came into session and I brought uh, the uh, director of the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority into my office. And I said, you have a choice to make. You can either work with me or you can work against me, but I'm going to win. I'm going to mandate that you hire as many employees as as, is needed to get all these inspections done. We're tired of fooling around with it. Um, You know, we've heard the excuses. It's time to get it fixed. And I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just I was giving her an option. You can either work with me and tell me what you think you need or you can just let me grab a number out of the air and mandate that you hire these people. And so we did last session, uh, worked work with OMMA and, uh, that we, we, we did put the mandate in and they had to hire 64 <clears throat> additional inspectors by December 1st of last year. Um, which, which is a challenge. And they, they didn't quite hit that exact number. Mm. But with that being said, you know, they made a, a huge step in that in that direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I told him, I said, as long as I know you're working at it, then, you know, I'm not going to raise the red flag on it. And, and we have a, we have now our fourth director, by the way, wow, in three and a half years <laughs> for the LMA. So well, so that's that's some of the problems we've had.
2: Representative FedGatter, the reason we gave you a call, too, we were curious about your House Bill 3754, which, which is an, another piece of legislation uh, in regards to this. This is the one that would uh, essentially make recreational use of marijuana legal for adults. Um, I, I looked up a moment ago and saw that it's been referred to the Rules Committee just uh, a week or so ago. What kind of support is there for? Is there an appetite for it or does it go to rules to die? What, give us an idea where, where things are on this.
0: Well, the good things about the good thing about rules is uh, it can go there to die or it can go there to be alive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, you know, that's that committee is a well, is an interesting committee. I'm sure it was referred to rules to go there just to sit. What, what, uh, well, and wait. what do you
2: think's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with this? Is there support to get this thing passed?
0: Yeah. No, no, there's not at all. And it's and it's and it's travesty um, that the legislature won't take the steps uh, to move in this direction. We have currently, we have two state questions back on the ballot uh, or in the process of being put on the ballot for recreational marijuana. One of them is constitutional amendment. The other is is statutory. We also have an additional medical marijuana petition being circulated out there with a potential one to two more recreational petitions coming. So. It, 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 to me, um, the legislature will will, will will be a failure if we don't address this problem. And we should have learned the lesson from State Question 88, 788 um, that we need to manage this, this program and not be, escape, not be afraid of our own shadow because some people have buyer's remorse. Or are concerned with it, mm. we as the, legislator, as the legislature have been elected to come up here and represent our districts. And ma- marijuana is legal in the state of Oklahoma. Mm. And it's really recreational for all intents and purposes at this point. So let's call it what it is. Let's take the mask off of the program, call it what it is. And then let's also come back after we legalize and put together a real medical program where physicians would like to take a look at it potentially, and universities would like to potentially start to do research and and, and learn more about the cannabis plan. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of time, obviously today, all we've talked about marijuana, but when you look at the cannabis cannabis plant in general, you know, whether it's hemp or marijuana, mm-hmm. you know, it's only a percentage of THC that separates the two. It's the same exact claim. Um, and when you look at uh, uh, CBD or, or, or hemp, for example, you have Delta A, Delta 10 a, a extraction going on out there that that is is pure THC mm-hmm. and it, it will get you high and it's federally legal. I could go set up mm-hmm. a website right now and, and legally sell that But because we don't have enough people interested in diving into this subject to understand it um, at the granular level, you know, we're just scared to pass recreational um, Mm. marijuana and we're going to let it get put on the ballot. We're going to end up in the same type of Mm. type of mess we're in now, potentially. Constitutionally, where we have no say in it at all, and everything goes back to other people every year. Well,
1: maybe you're going to have to get more of those lawmakers to sit out at that picnic table under the oak tree with you and uh, get as educated as you've become on this. This very granular. Uh, I want to ask you this, Representative. Here in Texas, Republicans have been very reluctant uh, to to relax some of the rules regarding THC uh, and 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 medical marijuana. Uh, it's a very specific list of ailments that qualify for this. It is a very weak form of THC uh, compared to the concentrations that, you know, you're able to get in Oklahoma. You mentioned the East Coast. I'm curious if somebody is, you know, taking this, you know, much weaker stuff here in Texas and Oklahoma is right there and they probably know someone who lives in Oklahoma. How much of that's ending up in Texas?
0: How much marijuana from Oklahoma is ending up in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, it's tons. It's a lot. I mean, I, I I literally get phone calls and text messages and emails weekly uh, from different marijuana companies that say, hey, you know, I can't compete because of the illegal market. And by the way, I know this group over here. Um, here's the name of their company. Here's their address. They're selling everything they have. You know, in Brooklyn, or they're selling everything they have in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I, you know, I, I I'm sure that anecdotally speaking, again, yeah, you know, Oklahoma could potentially be supplying more marijuana to Texas than Mexico.
2: Wow. And you don't have to mule it across through the Rio Grande. You can drive it
0: down the freeway. Yeah. It's they 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 drive down the road. And I, I literally got a text yesterday from a buddy of mine lives right across from a 40 acre grow. And he said, the U-Haul band just pulled up again, you know?
1: So, so it's coming across the red river more than the Rio Grande. That's uh that's stunning. Uh, I mean,
0: I, again, that's anecdotally speaking, but I, it would not surprise me at all. Look, we have, we have a uh, 9,000 marijuana grows in the state of Oklahoma nine thousand It's more than
1: california isn't it y'all are number one in that it's more
0: than any i think it's more than any state all the states combined (laughs) so
1: you're number one again
0: so you're number one and that i failed to say that when when my colleagues tell me look representative we don't want to be number one in marijuana i tell them all the time that ship sailed
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it's full of cargo uh yeah exactly so representative the last thing i have for you is if lawmakers in texas do decide to do this if they do decide to relax those rules and to go further into this like oklahoma has oklahoma's been doing this for less time than texas has um if they do that it sounds like it's a cautionary tale what's gone on there in oklahoma that you've got to get the infrastructure you've got to get the rules and the regulations in place before you set people loose
0: that, that's 100 percent correct. I, I will tell you, I would extend a personal invitation to any Republican or Democrat or whoever, the governor, Governor Abbott, whoever in, in the state of Texas that would like to, to to spend hours with me talking through marijuana. I will do it. And, and here's why. Marijuana will never, ever again be illegal in the United States of America. It's only going to become less legal over the next few years. So there really is a need for legislators to understand how this industry works. I I still learn something new every week uh, about the marijuana industry, but I know enough at this point to be able to help help with how you how you regulate it and keep out as many of the bad actors as possible look you know prohibition again was 80 something years ago mm-hmm. we still have illegal alcohol on the market you know you're never going to completely rid you know the black market but there are things that you can do to to reduce that black market and part of that equation is more access mm-hmm. So, I, I would extend an invitation to anybody in the uh, Texas state legislature that I'm, I'm happy to have this discussion with them.
2: Representative Fedgatter, you've been generous with your time. Uh, we know the legislature's in session there, so we appreciate uh, you joining us for Yolitics here. We'll let you get back to your legislative duties now.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, reach out anytime.
1: Thanks, Representative, and, and we hope you can right. get that phone unstuck from all those books now uh, with all that tape. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I'll figure it out.
1: So Representative uh, Scott Fettgatter there from Oklahoma, and um, you know the, the comment I made there at the end, he did this amazing job of stacking up, it looked like law books, uh, and then taping his iPhone to those law books uh, so that he could uh, deliver as a, a great shot on Zoom. It's one of the prettier shots I've seen. I can't imagine what that looked like behind the scenes. There was a lot of Scotch tape involved. So hopefully he is able to free that phone <laughs> after after doing all of that. Uh, but wow, some uh, some strong stuff there coming from the representative in Oklahoma. Yeah,
2: how convincing is that for Texas Republicans? I, I I don't know. I mean, clearly, Oklahoma is paying for its program and putting money into the education uh, budget over there, too. But he made some good points that Republicans in Oklahoma, which is a much more Republican state than Texas, they see marijuana as a freedom and liberty issue. They also see it as a doctor-patient issue. Some of the same things we're seeing with COVID. I was fascinated mm-hmm. to hear him say that that uh, there's that much marijuana coming across the Red River to the north uh, than, than potentially coming across from Mexico from the Rio Grande. I don't know if that's you know legit or not. I would say there's quite a bit coming from Mexico. But still, it's very interesting. the end of the day, they do need to put some more controls there. It sounds like if they have 8,300 plus grow operations and only what 60, 70, 80 total inspectors, come on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. They're definitely gonna have to beef that up. And again, that cautionary tale for any other states who are interested in doing this. Uh, so uh, another perspective in this, though, uh, it, we've, we've got on the line with us here today, Kim Moore. Uh, and, and she's got an interesting perspective on this because she has been a part of this burgeoning industry uh, since the very early days when this was passed in 2018. And it's always great, I think, Jason, to hear from someone who is actually on the ground. We know that the the representative has that 30,000 foot view. It does sound like he gets in there and gets very granular, though. Uh, and knows a lot of what's going on. But to truly understand what's going on, I think it's always great to talk to somebody who is down in it at the retail level, almost dealing with people uh, who are actually you know coming in and, and asking for this prescription to be filled.
2: It, walk us through what Oklahoma has been like unrolling this thing, because it's a red state, super red state. Mm-hmm. And yet there's what, 8,300 different uh, uh, growers there, whereas uh, California. Um, California has a lot less than that. Is that right? Or, or dispensaries?
3: Uh, yeah, we have a lot. <laughs> I believe at currently we've got about twenty six hundred to mm. three thousand licensed dispensaries alone, and Lord, a, a number of a number of grows and processors. So it's it's definitely thriving. Let me ask you this:
2: How in the world did this happen in a red state like Oklahoma?
3: The stars aligned, and it all came together. And a gentleman named Frank Grove and some other folks wrote a really, really wonderful ballot initiative. And uh, I don't know if you know the history of it before, but it had previously failed and they were able to get it back on the ballot. And it, they made it really patient friendly, whereas a lot of states, you know, you pretty much have to be uh, dying to qualify for a card. And then once you get the card product is really hard to, hard to uh, come by. So they started out with a really great ballot initiative. It's very patient friendly, very common sense. And that got the ball rolling.
1: Now, the card that you talk about there, I can go get one of these cards that says that, you know, essentially I can get a prescription for medical marijuana if I just get go to a doctor and say, hey, you know, I'm having this trouble and that trouble. And the doctor says, yeah, you know what, you might benefit from medical marijuana. Very different from what we see in the state of Texas where there is also medical marijuana, but it is a very tightly controlled program. And there's a, such a specific list of different maladies that you can have to qualify for that. You don't have that in in Oklahoma. Uh, so I want to ask this. You guys have so many growers there, though, and so many dispensaries there. Is that just going to the people who have the medical marijuana cards. It seems like a lot of product. Is it just going to them or where does the rest go? Jason's curious for himself here too,
2: whether he should get on the freeway and drive up there. I'm asking for a friend on the podcast here.
3: I know if I have my figures, right. I I believe we have over 300,000 something licensed patients. So a lot of it does go to the patients, but we can't be naive here. We know folks who don't have licenses are being are being served, and uh, we do need a seed to cell tracking and a little, uh, some, little more oversight from OMA, which uh, this new admin in OMA is really jumping on that and really respecting the rights of the patient, yet, you know, taming down the, the program a bit. But as an Oklahoma resident, you can get a card, as you mentioned, there's no qualifying conditions. So you as a reasonable adult, you feel cannabis is going to help you. The doctor agrees will sign off on your form, and then there is a second level of approval from the state. They have to review your application. Then they'll say yes or no. It, it would have to be something really egregious to be denied, I believe, you're not who you say you are, or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, to, be denied, a, to be, be denied an application.
2: But everything that I'm hearing, and what you just said also, is that even medical marijuana proponents think there needs to be more regulation in this market. What else needs to be done to tighten things up?
3: That is a major, the the regulation actually going out, checking grows, checking dispensaries. Most people are doing things on the up and up, but there are some who aren't. And there are some, there's always going to be loopholes. So speaking to people in the industry who are, um, you know, doing this every day, working with growers, working with patients, working with processors, speaking with folks like us, finding out those loopholes and closing those loopholes, I think would be a major uh, major advancement. There's a lot of issue in the news right now about illegal grows in Oklahoma, and there's a lot of laws coming up on the, in the legislature this, this session to handle some of that. I think some of them are smart, some aren't. What are the, um, what you know, are the loopholes
2: le- you were talking about, Kim?
3: For instance, say you have a grow, and whatever size this grow is, let's say they have 12,000 square feet, 6,000 plants, however, however many they have, these plants go from little seedlings to teenagers, to adults, then it's time to harvest. And there there are different seed to uh, sale tracking software where you're putting in your weights each step of the way. But once it's harvested, someone could, you know, help themselves to a few pounds of that, go sell it on the black market and say, well, these few plants, they died. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're going to count that off as waste the rest goes into the seed to sale and they've just profited, you know, however many much money uh, they made for those several pounds on the black market.
1: I'd like to know a little bit about the, the money in this because mm-hmm. you're down in it. You've been in the middle of it since the get go here. Uh, this all just started up in, in uh, 2018 there in Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like? Because as someone who's sort of reading over some of the facts and figures from afar, uh, it sounds like it was just like Wild West, Gold Rush, people, you know, you know, jumping mm-hmm. into this industry. Is that what it has felt like?
3: You know, it's felt a bit like that. Uh, the barrier to get in, the barrier of entry was quite low, $2,500. And I know folks hear that amount and they're like, well, anybody could get in. But that's, I mean, that's really not, that, that'll that get your license. But then you're looking at several hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions more, to mm-hmm. actually get your operation going. That being said, there were a lot of people who've been waiting for this for a long time, and were ready to to jump in, and the patients really responded. So it kind of felt like the wild wild west, but it was a controlled chaos. I'll say that <laughs> uh,
1: the state has made a lot of money off of it, though, too, hasn't it?
3: Oh yes, so,
1: yes. Yeah, the state uh, is, has done very well. Do you think that other states are 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 kind of looking to Oklahoma and and seeing that? Hey, you know, th- this could be a, a big moneymaker. Do you think that Oklahoma is a model for other places? Do you Have you talked to people from other places who've like tried to pick your brain?
3: A few. Um, and I know some. a lot of folks do hope that their state looks to Oklahoma for their structure, infrastructure, and I hope they do as well because it's a really great program. My focus from day one has always been on the patient. I have the advantage of seeing people come in at their very worst. They've got cancer, they've got neuropathy, they are getting off of illicit drugs, they're trying to get off of prescription drugs, any number of severe anxiety, so many different conditions. Are there people who just want to get high? Of course, God bless them. But most people are treating a condition. So I see these folks come in at their worst. We help them get a card, direct them toward products that are going to help them, you see them in a few months and they have actual joy and peace hmm. on their face in, in, in their aura. Uh, so I think that folks should definitely follow this Oklahoma's plan, because I know folks from other states who really could benefit from a card, but it, they, they can't get one. You
2: Kim, know? Kim, how many of you signed up uh, since you started working on this? And you mentioned kind of the worst case scenarios. How many folks just come mm-hmm. in like like Wheeler? You know, might say, "I just have a headache," and uh, my my doctor gave me this. Um, how, how many are like that? How many total have you signed up? And how many people are not worst case scenario?
3: Oh gosh, thousands. I I don't have an exact number, but I've I've served a lot of folks, and um, as far as that percentage, I would say maybe thirty, twenty, thirty hmm. percent. Uh, just Kind of thinking back over the past few years, mostly folks who would fit into that category can't sleep.
2: Uh, well, hey, you're talking to one here. Wheeler cannot sleep. <laughs> yeah. He sends emails <laughs> like two exactly. and three in the
1: morning all the time. Um, so you've seen this really change people's lives, though, for the better mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and help them in, in a lot of ways where they couldn't get relief before. Have you seen downsides in society? Because I I think a lot of states, before they go to this, you hear that, you know, it's going to be the end of the world. Uh, You know, if you start Mm -hmm. loosening these restrictions, it's going to be the end of the world. Uh, Have you seen some downside in society?
3: The only downside, I I suppose, would be the theft. Dispensaries getting, Mm. you know, held up at gunpoint folks getting held up at gunpoint, the some riffraff at the grows. I don't think it's as prevalent as we're reading about, at least from my experiences. And I do know quite a few people in the industry, but there is that aspect. But just like any other industry, you look at Amazon vans driving all over the state and they get held up all the time. So I don't think it's inherent to cannabis. I think it's inherent to opportunity and crime.
1: Mm -hmm. Is there do you hear a lot of uh, push on the ground to go for full decriminalization uh, of marijuana in Oklahoma? Is is that something that you hear rumblings about?
3: From the patient perspective, a lot of patients would be very happy with that. When people come sign up for licenses, they often talk about it and they say, oh, I hope, you know, they it goes wreck or it's decriminalized. And as far as you know, any kind of governmental institution, I haven't heard a lot about it. I would imagine they probably wouldn't like it to, because they're raking in a lot of money from this. But um, from the people on the ground, yeah, they definitely would like. If it'll pass the ballot initiative, I don't know. I think there's a couple of bills in the legislature this session to at least decriminalize in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it does, I hope they do still keep the medical program. I don't know how Oklahoma would handle it, but states like Nevada, where they've gone wreck and previously had a medical program, there are some differences. The medical patients, you can get the higher THCs, you can purchase more products, taxes are less. I, I suppose Oklahoma, I don't know how they would handle it, but uh, I would urge people to keep their medical cards just in case.
2: Kim, as you mentioned, the legislature is meeting right now, and there is a house bill in there that would uh, make adult use um, uh, of medical uh, of marijuana mm-hmm. legal, which would be the recreational aspect of this. But but there's also uh, there are a lot of Republicans who are a little concerned that that this whole thing has gotten away from from Oklahoma and has has moved too far down the road too fast, especially when you have states like Colorado and Washington and California saying. Whoa! What's happening in Oklahoma? You guys are, are, are flying over here. Mm-hmm. What are you concerned about that the legislature might do? Because they can't roll this back. It's already enshrined in the state constitution that 2018 uh, ballot initiative. But what are you? What are you afraid of? What are people concerned about? Anything uh, going on going on in the legislature now?
3: I'm afraid they they can't roll it back, but I'm afraid they will put so many obstacles in the way that it will be death by a thousand prohibition cuts. That's what What, like what kind of obstacles? What kind of obstacles are you afraid of? Such as uh, one of the bills. There's so many marijuana bills uh, in front of the legislature this this month. But one of them is a moratorium on licenses. And I really don't I don't I don't think that that does not benefit. I'll stop mitigating my responses. That does not benefit legitimate business owners. The illegal grows. They're not, they don't have licenses. They're going to do what they're going to do. Putting a moratorium on the license would stop Oklahoma businesses from being able to, you know, get into the industry and trickle on down. Therefore, stop patients, give patients less options, fewer options to go get product and, uh, you know, things like that.
1: Uh, you mentioned uh, just a little bit ago uh, concentration of THC. And and I think if we have listeners uh, in Texas right now who are, are paying attention to what you're saying, uh, it's a very different ballgame uh, in Oklahoma than it is for here. If, if they're able to get medical marijuana here, they're looking at, and this was just approved, to where we went from 0.5% concentration of THC to 1% uh, for medical marijuana. What are you all looking at there in comparison and and what kind of difference does that make?
3: Well, that's really super low. (laughs) Mm. We, our THC percentages, we're looking at on flower, you're looking at anywhere from a low end would be 13, 14, 15, under 20%, mid-range 20 to 26, 27 and higher. You're looking at a high THC for flower. Concentrates, Low end would be 75% THC. Mm. You go all the way up to 94, 97%. Uh, Same with edibles, you know, edibles going by milligrams, you know, you're looking at 150 average, you know, in Oklahoma, I find either patients want low milligrams or Mm. they want super high milligrams. It's like everything in between. Eh, There's a few people that want it, but um yeah, that that sounds super low. So what's
1: so what's the difference then, Kim, if I am taking a product that has 1% THC in it versus one that has
3: 60%? If you're treating a condition that really should not have a high THC, you want the other cannabinoids to really become effective CBD would be probably very beneficial. And that mm-hmm. You know that would be a good therapeutic solution for you, but a lot of, a lot of uh, conditions, dementia, a lot of high pain, different things. Chronic pain is probably the biggest, biggest condition people come to us with. Mm. Those things require higher THC. RSO works really well for those for those uh, folks who've got that deep seated pain. That, in my experiences, a lot of patients have had great success with that. That is a very high THC product. So I think a lot of people will miss out and Mm -hmm. think that, oh, well, there's nothing to this cannabis thing. It's not helping me when the limits are are hamstringing them.
2: Kim, before we let you go, you guys have had four years experience on this. Texas has barely got its toe in the water um, on, on the entire medical marijuana deal. What, what is your message to Texas lawmakers? Because like Oklahoma, Republicans run this state, not with as wide a margins mm-hmm. as they do in Oklahoma, but what would you tell Texas uh, lawmakers who will meet again in the legislature in January? What's your message to them about this?
3: I would tell them, look into your life. Is your, is your mother with you? Do you have a parent with you? Do you have a grandparent with you? who is suffering from a debilitating debilitating condition, they're in severe pain, what kind of help would you want them to get? What would you want that person, your mother, your grandmother, your father, to walk into a dispensary and be able to purchase to stop this chronic pain, something that's not being helped through prescription medication, that's not being helped through physical therapy or any other option, what would you want them to be able to purchase? And- direct your legislating, you know, accordingly. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I would just ask you, uh, at tagging on to the end of that, do you think that we're going to eventually see a model similar to what we're seeing in Oklahoma uh, nationwide? Do you, do you, I mean, nobody would have thought Oklahoma would be, you know, at the, at the cutting edge of something like this. Um, do you see that this just kind of going across the country at some point where we really start seeing mm-hmm. a loosening of restrictions?
3: I think it will. Um, eventually. I don't know how quickly, uh, but I think it definitely will. Alcohol is legal. And in my opinion, alcohol is far, far more corrosive than cannabis. You know, people die every day. Somebody has a few drinks, goes, gets in the car and, you know, gets in an accident and kills someone or over drinks and kills themselves, destroys their organs. Things like that are it's not happening on cannabis. And so if alcohol is going to be legal, you know, cannabis should be legal as well. You should be able to, with regulation, of course, a consenting adult of age should be able to go into a dispensary and purchase this plant that can potentially help them.
2: Kim, thanks so much for the time. Good luck to you up there, too.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: All right, so Wheeler, I learned a lot here. Not not only are there riffraff of the groves there, as Kim just mentioned too, <laughs> but but a lot of the lingo I I didn't know. Flower, concentrates, yeah. percentages, cannabinoids.
1: I mean, I, there's a that's a I, that's a fifty I, cent. I, I heard right you there. drop in
2: malady a little earlier. I appreciated that. I, I like how you try yeah. to throw in a little vocabulary every so often too.
1: Every now and then, yeah. I try to expand your vocabulary a little bit with she, mine. She
2: was laughing though,
1: at Texas yeah. when we
2: told her about the Texas program set.
1: Yeah. And uh, about the concentration yeah. of THC that's allowed down here. Uh, you know, an interesting thing to point out, though, you know, as, as we go through this, you know, we're always thinking about our audience in Texas. And uh, the University of Texas and Texas Tribune actually did a poll uh, back in June of last year. And asked, you know, when, you know, if, if should marijuana marijuana be legal? And sixty percent of respondents said that possession of a small amount or even large amounts ought to be allowed. Sixty percent. And so you wonder, well, well, you know, then why hasn't you know the the, the government here in Texas uh, reacted accordingly? Well, then you get down into the party affiliation, and among Democrats, seventy-three percent say a small amount or any amount is okay. Seventy-three percent. Among Republicans, 43% saying a small amount or any amount is okay. So that may be, you know, maybe some of these lawmakers are, you know, keeping an eye a, a little bit closer on on those polls and seeing where their voters are. But you know, it's an interesting question, uh, you know, that when put to the people, you know, maybe they would decide something differently if they had the power to actually change the law. I, w- I thought that was staggering that the representative said that in his district, it's, which is heavily, heavily Republican, 93% of people voted in favor of of legalizing uh, marijuana for me- medical purposes.
2: There. The trend is clearly going towards legalization and expanding
1: medical marijuana and, and potentially getting to to recreational
2: in texas you know that
1: and beto o'rourke is banking on that in this gubernatorial run we will see if yeah that, that kind of a, a double down uh, benefit that, that's him. one
2: of the issues and we'll also see in november when bill filing opens for the january 2023 legislative session whether uh you know, mm-hmm. you know how many of these uh legalization type bills come up and whether any are authored by Republicans, something to watch for there. But the end of the day. And,
1: and if they start to hear from farmers, and, too, uh, here in Texas. And, and
2: a message for our Republican listeners on here, too, our Republican lawmakers. Uh, you know, Representative Petgatter will, will host you if you want to make the drive mm. north or fly in. Uh, we'll, mm. we'll connect you with them, so shoot us an email.
1: Uh, so the Sweet and Sour Plums yeah. beer, by the way, turned out to be very sour. What did you yeah. expect?
2: It's in the name, man. Come on.
1: It's like it's like sour patch kids were just dropped in there to marinate for a while. Uh, yeah, very sour. This
2: chronic I have over here, man, is is uh, is tough. The stash IPA. I don't mm-hmm. do a lot of IPAs, as you know. This this is more your your. Uh, your well, you brand. do
1: seem a little more mellow than usual. Yeah,
2: it's, uh, it's dealing with the chronic pain of you all the time. That's what it is. <laughs>
1: hey everybody! Thanks for uh, listening once again. He really does love <laughs> me, uh, by the way. Uh, Be sure to subscribe while you're here. Tell your friends about this podcast as well. Get them signed up. The friends and family plan there. It is free for everybody, of course. Uh, Thanks for doing it with us again this week, everybody. We will uh, talk to you again next week.